that comparison thing, it can, uh, it can drive you crazy. So uh, this morning, we're going to uh, spend a few minutes talking about the comparison trap, and then uh, we're going to share uh, the Lord's Supper together. Um, so you can look forward to that, and then the band will come back up and uh, lead us out. So <clears throat> I want to start off with a uh, story, and before I uh, tell the story, a back part of it that, that's really important is that uh, at this, this is about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, and I, I love Skyline. I love uh, the authenticity of Skyline. I love the fact that there are so many of us who have come to know Christ in the last five years of your life, um, that you are now really changing your family tree. Like you were, he- your family was headed in one direction, you're, you're headed in a totally different direction. I love uh, the fact that in, your, in our life groups, there's tons of things that happen at Skyline that you never hear about. You don't know anything about it uh, because it's people loving on people and taking care of each other. Um, and you never hear of it, but they're, they're really taking care of each other. And so that was the case uh, when this particular story took place. Um, there was, we have a, a, a database, it's called uh, Church Teams, and we use it for our life groups. And the guy who runs it sent an email out that said uh, there was this conference at his home church, and he had two tickets to it, uh, free tickets if you'd like to come. And it was at Watermark Church in Dallas, and I thought, oh, this is great. We'll find out how he uses his database. We'll find out uh, how they do it on a, a larger scale and how all that works. It would be really great. And so I put in for it, um, but I didn't get it. Uh, I did get an email from Erica the next day that said, hey, I won these two tickets to this conference. She put in for them too, and she said, would you like to go? And so Robert Ruiz and I, we jumped on a plane, and we flew down there. Um, it's in Dallas. We're driving down a major, uh, major highway in Dallas, and off to the right we see Watermark Church, big, huge, beautiful building. I wasn't paying attention, so we drove by the building, and then we turned around, we came back, and you get there, and uh, the parking lot is so big that you get to take a little shuttle from the, where you park to go into the church, and then you walk into the church, and Wow. Like, honestly, it's everything I ever dreamed a church would look like. So you walk into the church, it's this big, huge foyer, and uh, in the middle of this foyer is the coolest coffee shop you've ever seen. Like, it is the kind of place that you just love to go to. Uh, it's, it's decorated perfect, it looks really cool, and then to top it off, next to that, a uh, little bit space over, is this giant uh, fireplace. Uh, it's probably nine feet wide, nine feet tall. It's just huge. And it's got all these easy chairs and couches all over the place. It was really, it was really beautiful. The kind of atmosphere that you just, that just said, this is, this is just relaxing, cool place to be. And uh, you need to know a little bit of my background. Um, we, uh, at Skyline, uh, we started Skyline and we've been working on helping people build their lives on grace. And in our interactions with other churches, and it's, it's small, but our interactions with other churches, um, we kept running into, like, the large churches had a tough time being able to have the one-on-one and be able to, to really focus on uh, grace and how it can impact people's lives. And, and we'd seen that on a kind of consistent basis, so that was kind of my opinion. And so then we go into the main auditorium, and the main auditorium is huge and beautiful and uh, it's really cool. And the band comes out and it, the lights are perfect. It's just, it's quite the experience. Um, and then the guys start speaking. And person after person is super authentic. 
and clearly is, has been focused on building their lives on grace. They're clearly interacting with God based on what God has done for them, not what they're doing for God. And they're telling these stories of lives changed, their own lives. These are the staff, and they're really telling stories, and you're like, wow, I've never seen this before. This is really amazing. Then we went to some of the sessions, and one of them was called Re-Engage, and uh, we, have, for years, have been working on developing these arenas where we would be able to help people with specific areas of their life, and one of them is marriage for us, and, uh, and all the other things I've ever done. I always had to rewrite the curriculum because it didn't really fit uh, what we felt was strong enough in terms of, of how we wanted to be able to teach it, and I, I, I checked out this re-engage thing. I was like, I don't have to change anything. This is fantastic. And we've started using it, and it is fantastic. It's really cool to see what's happening in people's lives through this re-engage. It's really cool. So all of this is happening, and, and I was so grateful. Like, like, wow, this place is really cool. I didn't think it could happen, but it really is happening. They're, they're ministering to like 10,000 people. They have this uh, pre-marriage class that they take, and they minister to 10% of the people who get married in that county. They've got it set up with the county when people go get their license. They get a discount on their license, marriage license, if they go to this church's uh, premarital classes. Like, it's, like, that's cool. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. And so uh, then we, we fly back. Robert and I were excited. We're going to follow up on this re-engage thing. And, and then uh, about three, three to five days later, which is the normal time for me, the dark cloud moves in. And it starts to rain. And it rains. You know what, Chris? What are you doing? This church needs a better pastor. Chris, what are you doing? You, I heard your message last week. That was, that was bad. Like, compared to what they're doing down there, I mean, it's, it, what are you doing with your life? And all, it just, all this comparison, 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 it just tears me apart. Now, I don't think I'm the only one that happens to. I think it happens to you, too. That comparison, this comparison is a regular part of your life. And uh, I stole this from uh, Andy Stanley. Uh, he calls it the land of Ur. The land of Ur. It's when you compare yourself to other people and you come to the conclusion, you know what? I just need to be richer like them. I, I wish I was richer like them. I need to be prettier like her. I need to be smarter, like all of them. I need to be faster. I need to be stronger. I need to be happier, more contenter, and healthier. And you just, you're, you're just going through your life, and you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. And then you move to the, you, you, that's when you look at the people who you think have more than you, and then you look at the people who have less than you, then you, you, you move into the land of superior, right? So you really, you really, Compare yourself, and you're like, yeah, I'm glad I'm not like that poor soul. Yeah? You sit around the table talking to people, yeah, those people, glad I'm not like them. Glad I'm not like them. And when you're saying that, there's this superior part of it. You see yourself, you'd never say it out loud, but you really see yourself as better, smarter, wiser, faster than them. And our culture is full on with the whole 
greatest thing. You've got to be the greatest. You've got to be the greatest. I want to be the greatest at something. I want it to be that when people compare themselves to me, I'm the ultimate one. I'm the greatest one. We have conversations in our culture where people come in number two in world championships, and we go, ah, loser. I mean, who's going to remember number two? If you can't be the champion, why even do it? We actually say that. We interact that way because we're doing what? We're comparing. And what happens to your marriage when you begin to compare? Man, you are, you, you are so in love with your husband. You're so grateful for the way he provides, the way he interacts with you. You, you enjoy each other. It's fantastic. You go to life group, the ladies are sharing what their husband does. And sure enough, some lady pipes off about this romantic thing she did with her her husband did for her, and you go home and look at your husband, you're like, what a bum. I can't believe I got stuck with this guy. It happens all the time. It happens all the time that that which was fantastic in our life, that which was beautiful in our life, that which was great in our life, is now, it's not so great. I need more her. Because Why? How did you come to that conclusion? You compared yourself or you compared them to somebody else. We're all really bad at it with our kids. We're really bad at it with our kids. My family, Lori and I, we, we were bad at it. And now, I understand why. If you've ever seen a picture of my grandkids, I mean, I understand why you want your grandkids to look like my grandkids. I understand why you feel the way you feel. I truly actually might have the most cutest, cutest grandkids. I mean, I have 12 of them. It's unusual you have 12 of them and all 12 of them are in But we do. I can understand. When our kids were young, we, there's a bunch of cousins, uh, my brothers, uh, their kids, and there was always this uh, yeah, man, he, he learned a lot to walk last week. He, he, he's a year old. We're excited. He's walked, took his first steps. Really, a year old. Oh, that's funny. Christopher walked at uh, nine months. <laughs> hey, they, they, Lori and I used to go around and around about this. She used to say that Christopher said his first word at nine months. I'm like, honey, that's not possible. Kids don't start talking at nine. Yes, they did. Yes, he did. And, we, and you, you, you measure how soon your kids do something compared to somebody else's kids. You measure how your kids obey compared to somebody else's kids. And you're sharing stories or you're watching things and, and this is how evil it gets. They tell the story about, my kid, I can't get him to do this and da 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 and you're like, oh, that, that, that's, that's too bad. But deep down inside, you're glad. And you often find yourselves caught right in the middle, right? You're glad their kid's messing up, but you're embarrassed that your kids aren't like somebody else's kids. It's this constant comparison that happens in our lives. And then often we turn on God. Why does God bless them and not me? God, what are you doing? I worked just as hard as they do. I poured into this. I wanted it. I believed it just as much as anybody else. But how come they get this? Why do they do that? And what do we say next? They're lucky. And that is not a compliment, right? This is lucky. It's like it's not fair. 
It shouldn't be that way. I'm a balancer. And, and what I do is, I do this, I try to keep my mouth shut because it's embarrassing, right? But you, you tell me a story about somebody and hey, they're, they're great at this and this is going great. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I'll be like, yeah, I bet they have a lousy marriage. I'll bet they, I'm always looking for, yeah, it's good there, but there's got to be bad over here because it, it's, it's all comparison. From time to time, you heard me talk about my friend Gary Klein. Uh, he lives in Michigan. And everything this guy touches turns to gold. It's amazing. Everything this guy touches turns to gold. I, I've known him since I was 17 years old. It's crazy. He'll start a business. He'll take on a ministry. He'll do something. Whoosh, turns to gold. We were out to eat, uh, I guess it was in August, with my family, my kids, and Gary. I was like, guys, everything he does t- turns to gold. We're at the table talking about this. And my kids go, that's, Dad, you're just exaggerating. That's not true. Gary, tell him it's not true. Gary's like, it's true. Because everything turns to gold. And we look at that, and you're like, wait, that's not fair. I, I, and we compare ourselves. And instead of being Happy for that person, rejoicing, that's really great. It actually creates something ugly inside of us, comparing. The Bible says this, and we're going to take a look at what Solomon said. And and before we do, uh, all of the passages that are out of Ecclesiastes 4 today, and and Solomon had more ur than you'll ever have. He had more wives than you'll ever have. And I guarantee you, one of those wives was prettier than your wife. He had more money than you've got and probably will ever have. He built more things than you'll ever build. He ruled over more than you'll ever rule over. This was a guy who had it all. He literally had it all. And this is what he says. He says, I saw that all toil... And all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. We are driven by our envy of somebody else. Envy is when I compare myself to somebody else, I'm like, I need that, I've got to have that, I've got to get there. This too is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. You ever chase the wind? You ever chase the wind? I know you're city slickers, never chase the wind. Never go out, you ever go out in a field and go, I'm going to outrun the wind. I'm going after it. I'm going I'm to, if you ever did, you'd find out you don't know where the wind is. It doesn't matter how swift you run. It doesn't matter how fast you drive or how high you fly. You cannot ever catch the wind. And the minute you think you've caught it, it's gone. It's going. And what Solomon says is, <clears throat> when we compare ourselves to somebody else, and from that we motivate ourselves, that I need to be like them, I've got to get where they are, it's like chasing the wind. Why? There's no finish line. You don't get there and go, ah. You get there and you go, okay, now, now I'm going to compare myself to that person. Now I'm going to compare myself to that person. Now I'm, there's no direction. You're like, I'm going to go this direction. But yeah, as soon as, you, as soon as you head in that direction, you see this person. You're heading in that person's direction. Then you head in another direction. There's no peace. 
It's never satisfying. You never get there and go, ah, this was it. This is it. There's no completion. You are literally on a, on a wheel that just spins. And you're running and running and running and running. And you're not going anywhere. There's a guy, uh, Coach Landry. He coached the Cowboys years ago. He was an incredible coach, and uh, they won their first Super Bowl. And he said, the overwhelming emotion, the thing that you could see throughout the whole team, was that in a few days, among the players, how empty that goal was. There's got to be something more. I mean, how many times have you thought, man, look, if you ever won, if you ever got to play in a Super Bowl, but if you ever won the Super Bowl, that would get you to the place where you'd be like, okay, I don't have to compare myself to anybody. I'm, I'm settled. I'm somebody. I've done something great. The overwhelming emotion for them was uh, it didn't happen. Why? Because they're chasing the wind. You think it's there, and then it's gone. So uh, one of the things that we're... Uh, you might be tempted to do is be able to go, okay, well, good. I'm going to stop comparing. I'm going to stop noticing the difference. I'm not even going to notice it. I'm going to walk into a group of people, and when they're different and they have more, I'm just not going to notice it. I'm not, I'm going to stop comparing. I need to stop comparing. But the truth is, comparison is critical to being a human being. It's how we operate. We compare all the time. So uh, you ever do this little test, you ever see it, where you put up a color, right? Like, oh, that's gray. And then you put another color next to it, and you're like, wait a minute, it's blue. And then you put a different color next to it. No. No, I think it's black. Colors are actually determined by comparing. This color compared to this color. That's how we see is comparison. Size is determined by comparison. There's a, there's a really cool uh, video on YouTube where there's this white truck, right? And it's stuck in the mud. looks like a big, uh, big SUV. You're like, oh, wow, that guy's really stuck. And this little kid walks over, picks the truck up out of the mud and walks off with it. You have no idea how big the truck is. How come? Because you've got to have something standing next to it, something to compare it to, to be able to actually give you perspective as to how big it is. That's true for size and speed. On your mirrors, there's this little thing, there used to be anyway, this little thing that said, uh, be careful. Things are a different size than what they look like in the mirror. It gives you the wrong perspective. It's how we do everything. It's how we fix things. It's how we create things. It's a huge part of science is comparison. So you can't just say, okay, I'm going to stop. This past week, uh, my vertigo came back, a cold settled in my ears again. And uh, when you walk, you are constantly comparing. You're constantly going, this is this far away, this is here, this is here. Okay, I got my bearings, now here I go. When vertigo happens, you lose your bearings. You can't walk. Your perspective is wrong, so you'll walk into a wall or just fall over. You've got to be able to compare. But besides that, how would you know? How would you know if you are anybody? How would you know if you're succeeding or not succeeding? 
Some of you have had some of your greatest experiences were when you saw that someone was here and you were here and you said, you know what? It's possible for me to move from where I am to here. Because you compared and you saw, wait a minute, my life doesn't have to be like this. There's a, how do I do this? How do I get from here to here? And off you went. So comparison is actually not the problem. That's the point at which you see there's a difference. The question is, where do you get your perspective from? In other words, when you see that there's a difference, who do you look to? Who do you listen to? When I went on that trip and I saw that amazing what was happening in that particular family, that church family. When I saw that, and then I saw, whoa, that's different than what's happening here in terms of size. Who did I listen to? Who was I looking to? Who told me that because theirs is bigger, ours isn't worth as much as I thought it was before? Who told me that? Who was I looking to? Who was I listening to? Where do you get your perspective from? I hate spelling in front of people. <laughs> it's amazing how you're halfway through a word and you're like, just keep going, man. You just got to keep going. If it's wrong, it's wrong. You see, whoever you, the problem is not comparison. You're going to see a difference. The question is, who do you look to and who do you listen to to find your perspective? Because the perspective was what you operate off of after it's been, been shown to you. Now, there is no win in comparison. I actually stole that from Andy Stanley too. We're actually going to change that up a little bit, right? Because comparison is not the problem. The problem is, who do you look to? And there is no win when you listen to the wrong voice. When you compare, it destroys us. The Bible goes on to say, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. You're like, oh, look, I, I, I don't need to compare myself to anybody else. I'm just going to listen to myself. I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try. I'm not into all that stuff. I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to be lazy and hope it all works out. Well, the Bible says, yeah, that, that doesn't work. Okay, it comes to ruin. Most of you are not in that situation. You wouldn't be here today if you were. You're here today because you want your life to change. You want something better than what you already have. He says, but better one handful with tranquility, which means quietness or rest. One it's better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. There it goes again. The idea is that you would have, you, you've got what you've got. You grab a hold of that and you go, that's all I need. The other hand I can leave open. 
I can leave open to give or I can leave open to receive whatever God has for me, but I don't need to go fill up the other hand. I don't need to grab a hold of the other hand. I don't need more than what I've already got. I'm okay. Now, the Bible makes this pretty clear that when you grab with the other hand, then your life becomes full of toil. You're constantly trying to achieve. You're constantly trying to add to. You're trying to get something you don't think you presently have. And toil gives the idea there's no contentment. The idea of grabbing it with one hand is you're grateful for what you have. And so there's tranquility. Can you imagine living with tranquility? Now, tranquility does not mean I sit and do nothing. It doesn't mean that I'm like, you know, we're done. Vacation, rest of my life. It doesn't mean that. It clearly doesn't mean that. That's what he was talking about earlier. Tranquility is the idea that I am able to live my life to produce and work in a state of rest. Versus always feeling like I'm not enough. We haven't accomplished enough. We're not good enough. Wow. That'd be amazing. So let me ask you this. Do you believe this is true? Do you believe that, true, that, that idea, that verse is true? That to be content with one hand is better than pursuing being the greatest on earth. That being content with one hand is better than trying to be like them, whoever them is. Or do you think it's a dog-eat-dog world? Like, hey, come on, Chris. Come on, buddy. I understand you're... uh, preacher and all that stuff. You don't live in the real world. In the real world, it's a dog-eat-dog world. And if you don't grab all you can, if you don't go after it as hard as you can, you're going to lose out. Are you consumed by moving up the ladder? Are you constantly measuring yourself against someone else? Because you don't really believe this is true. Matter of fact, did you think, you know what? That's okay for some people. It's okay for some people they live like that, that one-handed thing. But I'm not like that. Like it's not, they're not losers, but they're, they're kind of on the end. And they're okay being on the end. I'm just not okay. I need to be in the first 50%. I need to be in the first 25%. I need to be in the first 10%. Because I'm, I'm not like them. I'm different. I, I've got to. I mean, I'll feel like I've wasted my life. That's the greatest fear of my life. The greatest fear of my, my personal, greatest fear of my life is I get to heaven. God goes, yeah, you really screwed it up. You wasted your life. It didn't count. It didn't matter. And when I go to Dallas... And there's 10,000 people that they're making a difference from. And then I come back here and I'm like, oh, we're, we're making a difference in a couple hundred people's lives. There's a voice that says, 
wasting your life. That this verse really isn't true. Do you believe it? Next verse says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. He was, uh, no, there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom I, for whom I, for whom, I'm sorry, am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. You ever do that? You ever just stop for a second and go, wait a minute. I want that guy's life. Like he, reject, he relaxes, he goes on vacations, he does these other things. He's not, he's not killing himself. I, man, I wish I could live like that. I'm going to work really hard so I can live like that one day. Like you just, you can't stop. Like why do we have to just keep churning it out and churning it out and churning it out? Why do we think we're the ones that have to work harder than anybody else? We just have to. What drives us? Is it comparison? Is it that you compare yourself to others and then there's a voice that drives you? Where do you, you get that voice from? Who is that? Comparison does three things. One, it destroys our joy and our peace and our gratefulness for what we have. It destroys it. It's what we talked about earlier. You might have an incredible family. You may be blessed with an amazing personality. But you're never happy. Because it's not theirs. It's not what they have. It destroys it. You may have a job that you used to love, but now you hate it. You hate it because you ran into somebody else who had a better job, and now you can't stay at your job. You don't like the work you do. Number two, it destroys the satisfaction or the joy and gratefulness with the, with the fruit of your life. In other words, what you've been producing. You worked on your house and, and, and you fixed up your house and, and you used to walk into your house and go, man, I love my house. It's pretty cool what I did. This is great. I just love it. But then you went to somebody else's house. You don't love your house anymore. You used to think your kid was really special. And, and the way they played was really good. And then they joined a team and they never score. And you're actually, you, you love your kid, don't get me wrong but you're just not happy with it. And it has become an it because you need to get them to where they can play like these other kids. Number three, it destroys the moments that you're working for the fruit of your life. What do I mean? I mean, while you're working, 
your present day, everyday life. It takes the joy right out of it. Because you're worried that it's not going to produce the fruit that somebody else has. It's so natural. How could we ever stop? How we get... I said it on purpose. When I said what happens to me, I don't decide to do this. The storm just rolls in. I mean, literally, in the morning, I'm as happy as can be. At noon, I'm miserable. I'm like, what happened? The storm rolled in. I feel differently. And when I track it back, it's because I'm comparing my fruit to somebody else's fruit. This, this is really important. You cannot love someone. You cannot love someone who, live, who you've put into the land of Ur. I love you guys. I, I really love you. But you know what happens when I need us to be bigger than we are? Or I need us to... to to do something more than we do, and I need you to respond to God's word. You know what happens when I need you to, to act the way I want you to act? I don't love you anymore. I'm not here for you anymore. You're here for me. And, and now I'm frustrated with you because you're not the fruit that somebody else has. Does that make sense? So men, when you need your wife to change, you can't love her. Ladies, when you need your husband to change, you need him to be something or. And you're like, no, 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 no. I, I just want him to change because then it would make our marriage better. It's all for good. It's all for good. No. No, you don't love him anymore. You didn't know this happened to your relationship. You never did this on purpose. It just rolled in. And now you've been doing this in their life. And they've become a project. Are your kids a project? Somebody that you're trying to make better? Is your life group, are the people in your life group a project? The people around you at work, are they a project for you? Because you can't love a project. You're just always trying to get it to become better. So this week, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a couple of questions to consider. And, and as you consider them, I, I don't want you to go, oh, I want to quit, I'm going to quit comparing. I'm going to quit comparing. I'm going to go to work, and the guy at work that I used to compare myself to, I'm not going to compare myself to him anymore. Nope, I'm not even going to know there's a difference. I'm not gonna, he's just like me. I'm just like him. We're equal. It's great. That's la-la land, all right? Don't live in la-la land. I want you to live in the real world. In the real world, you are going to compare. But I want you to identify at the point of comparison, who are you looking to and who are you listening to to get your perspective? Identify who that is. Are you exhausted with trying to keep up with somebody? 
They don't always have a name. They're not always a person. Sometimes they're just a group of people. Sometimes they live in magazines or online. Or your company keeps pushing them down your throat that we need to be like them. Are you broke trying to keep up? Did you just spend yesterday a whole bunch of money because you wanted to satisfy some other group of people? Are you allowing what others have to, have to keep you from enjoying what you have? I love that one. I hate it, actually, because I fall into it. Are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what you have? Do you enjoy your kids, or are you driving them crazy because of what you see others doing? Is it possible that your husband or your wife feel like they are, disappointment, they are a disappointment to you because you're comparing them to others? Is it possible that your husband or wife feel they are a disappointment to you because you are comparing them to others? See, they may not know it's because you're comparing them to others. They just know they feel like they're a disappointment. Who would you secretly enjoy seeing fail? And are you chasing the wind? Now, we need the answer to this question. So the next two weeks, we're going to come back. We're going to jump into what the Bible has to say. Because it would so dramatically change our lives if we could, when we compared, find a voice that led to tranquility and peace and power and gave us the right perspective, the true perspective. If we could replace that voice with another voice, there'd be no stopping you. You would be able to have joy and power. It would be incredible, regardless of where you are compared to other people. I want that. So I invite you to come back for the next two weeks. Right now, decide, yes, you have to change your calendar. There's some things you have to switch around. Do it. Come back and let's define what God has to say about getting out of the trap of comparison.